Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. You may be seated. You know what I think the world needs? It needs a lot of things, but I think it needs one thing. It needs a revelation of pure, undiluted, 100 proof Jesus. You know what I mean? I I think the world needs a revelation of who Jesus really, 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 really is. And I I love this series. It's called Rooted. And and how many of you have, have been a part of our series that we've been doing for the new year? Okay. Some of you have. Uh, the first week we talked about being rooted in Christ. And I wanna just start with a, that passage from Colossians chapter two, verses six and seven in the Passion Translation. It says it this way, in the same way that you received Jesus, our Lord and Messiah by faith, continue your journey of faith, progressing further into your union with him. Your spiritual roots Go deeply into his life as you are continually infused with strength, encouraged in every way. You're established in the faith that you have absorbed and enriched by your devotion to him. Come on, that that should be at least get an amen or an oh me or something. Isn't that good stuff? What, What is Paul saying? He's saying, look, If we can ever get a glimpse of who Jesus is, it changes everything. He said, received him by faith. We continue our journey of faith. We're established and rooted in faith. And so I'll give you a little background. Paul is writing to the the church in Colossae. And this is a, a a group of people, a church that is probably much like the church in America, much like our nation, they, they have lost their way, okay? They, they have lost the main plot of their story. They've come, become distracted from Jesus. They've forgotten that Jesus really is their way, that he's the truth. He's our very life. They've forgotten these things. And so in the first chapter Paul is writing to address a problem, but he never gets to the problem in the first chapter. In the first chapter, there's 29 verses in Colossians. You you can look in your Bible and count them. They're there. 30 times, 30 times, he makes reference to Jesus or Christ. Paul is just blasting them with the solution. He's not focusing on the problem. Hello? Hello? It's real easy to get enamored or get focused or distracted on the problem. What's wrong? Disappointment, discouragement, things that are not going well, true heartache and pain and trauma. But what does Paul do? Paul says, look, I'm gonna get your eyes so fastened upon Jesus, so fascinated with the wonder of who Jesus is that you'll forget what the real problem is because it's all counterfeit anyway. Hello? The real thing, the main thing is what we need to be focused on and that's Jesus. So listen, some of the things he talks about in chapter one, he says, Jesus rescued you from the dominion of darkness. Come on, get a better amen than that. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He says, Jesus redeemed and forgave our sins. 
We're a forgiven people. We're a restored people. We're redeemed. We've been bought out of the slave market into the inheritance of the kingdom and the king. He says, Jesus created all things in heaven and earth, in the visible and the invisible. He created it all. But more than that, he sustains it all. He holds it all together. How many of you ever said, man, I just feel like I'm falling apart? You ain't falling apart because Jesus is holding you together, right? The words of his power, he's holding us together. He says, I got this. But the problem is your eyes are elsewhere. They're not on me. And I'm the one who will sustain you. You know, what would happen if Washington DC would get so fascinated and so focused on Jesus that all the problems and all the divisions and all the disunity would just kind of fall away in the light of his glory. He says, Jesus is supreme. Somebody say supreme. He says, Jesus is superior. Jesus is our security. And Jesus is our sufficiency. He's more than enough. Jesus plus nothing, right? That's it, all right, we can go home now. So you go, wow, that was a good sermon there, Steve, good and short. Finally, Paul gets to the problem. In the next verses, let's look at those in uh, Colossians 2.8. He says, here's what the problem is. Because a lot of times we need to know what the problem is so that we can say, oh man, I just drifted off of the solution, which is Jesus. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Now I know that doesn't apply to us in the 21st century. He continues, he says, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of the world rather than on Christ. He gets back to it. He says, what are these elemental forces of the world that he's talking about here? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here's what they are. It's, there's the, a Greek word for that big long phrase is the word um, uh, stoicheion. I know that doesn't mean a whole lot to you, but it's shorter. It's one word, stoicheion. And what that means, it addresses two groups of people. To the Gentiles, what it's talking about is pagan philosophy, a philosophy that is not focused anywhere near on Jesus. But then he says, it also focuses on Jewish tradition because it's this, it's this idea of sin management. Hello? How many of you have made peace with your sin and you just kind of manage it so it doesn't get, you know, you, you hide your crazy. You know what I mean? That's kind of the American way, just hide your crazy. He said, no, no, that's, that's not the idea here. It's the idea that the focus is on Jesus. It's not sin management. It's not sin consciousness. It's Jesus. And so he goes on and he, he finally gets to the solution again. He comes back around verse nine and 10. Let's take a look at these. It says, for in Christ, somebody say in Christ. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. What's he saying? All Jesus encompasses all the fullness of the Godhead or in Jesus in bodily form. And so the people in Colossae are going, wow, God is in our midst. Emmanuel is here. Jesus, see his Father, Son, and Spirit, all in one. But he goes on and he says, and, and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. 
while Joel got it. Fullness, what's he saying? Father, Son, Holy Spirit are in you. You see why Paul is just like, you know, tearing a gut here to tell the, the people in Colossae, look, you've got all that you need in the midst of the chaos and the craziness that's going on. And he says, Jesus is the head over every power and authority. What's he saying? Everything, everything flows from our rootedness in Christ. And we talked about rootedness, what that looks like that, that um, we're rooted in relationship with one another. We're rooted in Jesus. We're grounded in him. We get our nourishment from him. We, we get our stability from Jesus when we're rooted in him. You know, in relationship, I'll give a quick review. We talked last week about having garden friends, people that can help you on your journey with Jesus to be rooted in Christ, to be rooted in relationship. You know, those that one or two people that are there for you in thick and thin and they, they are present with you. They remind you who you really are in Christ. They constantly say, no, no, I, I hear what you're saying. Those are light momentary afflictions you're going through because Jesus has got it and he's stretching your capacity. They process life with us, but they also help us see the activity of God around us. They help us join God where he's at work around us. Do you know what I mean? They help us participate with God. You'll hear me say that phrase a lot. It's one I felt the Lord kind of dropped in my, in my spirit this week. We need to learn how to participate with God. Not only are we rooted in Christ, but we get to participate with Christ. And, and through life. And so what that does is that will change the way you look at everyday circumstances that you find yourself in. You know, um, I, I um, well, let's just look at this one, one scripture here real quick. In um, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 19 and 20, this is what it looks like to be rooted in purpose. Rooted in purpose, rooted on purpose. That's what I wanna to talk to us today about. Being rooted in Christ with purpose, okay? How do we live this life out? Well, Paul says it this way. He says, God was reconciling the cosmos, the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against, sins against them. And he has committed to us, do you see the partnership? Do you see the participation? He says, not only has God done this, but he's committed to us, his sons and daughters. He says, he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. That's a good word to learn, by the way. He says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We're his representatives here on planet earth as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's our message right there. Now, how does that happen? First of all, what does it mean to be reconciled? Reconciled means to restore a relationship to oneness. Re means to go back. Concile means to make one. He's saying, look, I want you to live in the original identity I created you for, and that's to have oneness with me, to enjoy that fullness of the Godhead living inside of you, living through you, minding his own business through you, okay?
okay? That's what he's saying. So what does that look like? You know, in November, I had an opportunity to go to Portland, Oregon. And uh, one of my spiritual heroes was speaking at a con uh, conference and uh, a Baxter Kruger, Dr. Baxter Kruger, a theologian. And uh, we had a break time. And so I was able to meet one-to-one -one with Baxter Kruger, you know, this great figure. And I found out he was just an everyday guy with supernatural wisdom. And he said this, we're, we were talking and, and I thought, you know, what, what is a question I'd like to ask the Baxter Kruger? And so I said, you know, I know that Scripture teaches us that our, our spirituality and our humanity are not separate things. Do you know what I mean? Jesus lived uh, in constant union and oneness with his father, but he lived it out in humanness. He was a carpenter, right? He hung out with people, all kinds of people. He, he lived as a human. And I said, so what does that look like? How, how do I live my spirituality out in my humanity? And, and kind of behind that, what, what I was thinking was that, you know, I, I kind of grew up in a, uh, a world where uh, the, the ideal was kind of the Christian code was, you know, don't, don't drink, smoke, cuss, or chew, or go out with girls who do, you know? <laughs> Any of y'all ever have that? You know, so, so I'm thinking, so do I have to give something up in my humanity in order to be a spiritual person, Right? How many of you realize that, that one of the greatest um, problems in the Western church is this idea of divided thinking like that, this dualistic thinking that, that really, you know, I'm spiritual when I come to church on Sunday, but then whenever I go to work on Monday, you know, I'm, I'm just my human, I'm a human guy, human lady. Can I tell you, you are 24 seven, a spiritual being, a human being and dwelt by the spirit of the living God. There's no, there's no division, it's you're one. And so I was waiting for Dr. Kruger to kind of give some, some idea because I'd, I'd, I'd seen this God church, kind of my humanity, dualistic thinking. And I, and I thought, you know, that's not the way Jesus lived, right? I mean, you, you know, do you have to give up some stuff? You know, I'm thinking, you know, you, maybe, maybe you can't fish anymore or maybe you can't, you know, I know in the, in the Baptist world, we couldn't dance, you know, and, and you couldn't go to movies and, you know, couldn't have any fun basically, you know, and, and that was kind of what was in the back of my mind. You know, whenever we say yes to Jesus, do we become no fun anymore? We're, we're laughing, but can I tell you most of the world that is driving by, on, on uh, Ranch Road 12 is thinking, nah, no fun, no fun. I ain't gonna go down there, that, no fun. See, see, there are people that are di dying to know the truth that can set them free and we are the containers that can bring that truth. But we gotta get this thing sorted out. We need to learn how to live spiritual lives on purpose in, our, in and through our humanity, right? And so uh, basically I say, how do you live life with spiritual purpose every day? What, what does that look like? And so Dr. Kruger, after he listened to me kind of ramble for a while, <laughs> he, he said, um, well, your spirituality is worked out in your human expressions. I'm listening. He said, you know, like motherhood, fatherhood, being a teacher, being a truck driver, uh, having a uh, bread route, being a coach, you know, he, he just went on, I'm thinking, okay. He said, let me, 
you know, he, he probably saw me going, looking like a calf at a new gate. You know, I didn't get it. He said, listen, let me tell you a couple stories. He said, I was in the Midwest uh, going to a church to uh, speak to a, a group of people. This young seminarian had picked me up at the airport and we were driving along kind of rural Midwest. And he said, uh, we're, we're driving along and uh, I mean, we're just seeing corn and cotton and maize and peat. You know, there's all kind of, it's as far as I can, you see, every once in a while you see a tractor and a farmer out on the tractor. He said, I asked the guy, I said, uh, what would you say? Well, first of all, as they were talking, he said, what are you gonna do with your life? He said, well, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a pastor in, uh, in, in this, this area whenever I get my degree. He said, okay. He said, so what would you say to that farmer, farmer over there on the tractor about the way that Jesus relates to his farming. That's probably about how the seminarian answered. He said, no, I never thought about it. He said, well, see that farmer over there, he'll give 70 plus hours a week in, in this, this, this is, is his livelihood, but it's really a part of who he is. His whole family gives him to do that and they all participate as well. It's been in a family tradition for years. And uh, he, he said, what he is and does as a human being are wrapped up in that. And he says, now, why would you expect him to wanna come to your church? He said, if you're not showing him how Jesus relates to his whole existence. See, see, Jesus had the ability to see in people something that we don't typically see. He saw every occupation, every passion, every desire in the hearts of people as coming from the Father's heart. Now, I'm not talking about illegal, immoral stuff. I'm talking about honorable professions, passions, desires, dreams that are out here right now. And see, the problem is we don't realize where those dreams and passions came from. So some of you right now are probably in an occupation you need to get out of, okay? Some of you are in an occupation you have no clue that your, where your success has really come from. And so he's, he's talking to this, this young guy and he says, so um, tonight, uh, when you go home to have supper with your wife and kids, he said, uh, what's the first thing you're gonna do? He said, well, I'll probably thank God for the, for the meal. He said, well, why, why are you thanking God for the meal? He said, did God, God, did God grow it? He said, I, he, I knew God grew it. He said, but God grew it through the farmer, the participation of that farmer and God, the father, the son, bringing forth something that is noble, something that has dignity. But here, here's the problem. Under, in our culture, if, if something, we, we kind of believe that money and prestige and power and position and education is what brings dignity. You know what brings dignity? Our participation with the Father and the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we've got to learn how to participate with God in what, what he's doing. And so he said, well, let me tell you one more story. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking this, okay. 
um, he said, we were in Portland, right? He said, the first time I ever went to Portland, he said, I, I had never flown to Portland. And he said, I, I wanted to get a seat uh, by the window so I could see the Rockies, the Rocky Mountains. And he said, so I'm, I'm sitting there in my, in my seat and the plane backs up and is getting ready to leave. He said, and all of a sudden it stops. And uh, he said, all of a sudden the door opens up. He says, like a movie. He said, this man walks through the door. He's got this leather jacket on, this leather hat, this le leather um, backpack. He said, that dude looked like Indiana Jones, you know? And he says, and he said, I knew, I knew where he was gonna sit. He said, he passes 30 rows and he comes and he sits right down next to me. And he said, okay. He said, I, I just wanted to look at the outside and see the Rocky Mountains. He said, but the guy starts talking to me. He says, yeah, I just, uh, he says, uh, I'm a um, systematic microevolutionary biologist. That's a, real, that's a big title. I guess you, if you can memorize that, you've done something. And he said, he said, I've just come from the Caribbean and I've been, been studying plants current and those that have gone, that are going extinct, some that have uh, gone extinct. And I mean, you know, he had, he had diagrams and maps and he knew all the Latin names of all of, of the plants. And so he was, um, he said, man, this guy talked probably an hour and, and finally he said, so um, what, what do you do for a living? And uh, Dr. Kruger says, well, I'm a, I'm a theologian. And, uh, you know, he kind of started ministering to his shoes, you know. And uh, he said, he said, well, I guess, I guess you'd like to talk about evolution. And uh, uh, Dr. Kruger said, no, I really don't. <laughs> not, not really. He said, but I do have one question for you. He said, um, where did you get your passion for plants? He said, you know, was your Uncle Freddie a botanist or your mama or, you know, did you just wake up one day and think, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be passionate about plants? And he said, well, he says, you know, for all this hour that we've been together, you've been talking about plants. You know the, the Latin names. You are concerned about the future of these plants. You, your desire is more than anything. These plants would flourish There'd be resurrection of these extinct plants. And he said, where'd that come from? And the guy said, you know, I, 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 I'd never thought of that. I don't know. And he said, well, and this is, he, Joel, he did our thing. He, Dr. Kruger said, I didn't have any diagram. He said, I pulled out a napkin. <laughs> he said, I pulled out a napkin. He said, I, I drew three circles on it. Father, Son, Spirit. And he said, he, he said, you know, there's only one person in the universe who cares about plants that belong to his father more than you. And his name is Jesus. And so he began to talk to me, he says, he says, look, while you have been tooling around in the Caribbean, looking at all of these plants, you've been participating with Jesus in his passion for his father's creation. He said, he said but, but the problem is you don't fully know who you are or what's going on and where this has come from. And the man looked at him and he says, why have I never heard anyone say what you're just saying? And he said, or he said, I've never heard anyone say what you just said. 
He said, you just have. He said, look, he said, he had this idea that all of his passion for these plants and, and for uh, biology and botany and all this stuff was from his own doing, his own strength. And he was proud. He was doing, doing this all. And suddenly, Dr. Kruger, Kruger had given him a larger story. Hello? A larger picture. You know what our world needs? It needs the veil to be lifted so that we can see the larger picture of the kingdom of God so that they can see the bigger picture of the activity of God through Jesus in you that's going on here. And, and the man looked at Dr. Kruger and said, you know, I, don't, I, don't, I really don't know if I even believe in God. And Dr. Kruger said, you know, that, that's okay. That's okay. But know this, God believes in you and he's grateful that you have such love and care for his creation. Now, can you, can you imagine... The rest of that flight, you know, Dr. Kruger's looking at the, at the mountains and that, that guy, the Indiana Jones, gets off the plane. What's going on? Holy Spirit's working on him, right? I, I'd, lo I'd love to find that guy and say, hey, tell me what happened since that time in your life. What has God done? See, we never know the people that we encounter and what might happen in their lives as we talk to them and touch them. You know, several years ago, or a few years ago, Joel and his brother, Josh, and we got the Lowry's here today. I'm talking about all your kids. I can't get all of them in, but I'll get Josh and Joel in. And myself and our wives were doing something called a Greenhouse. It was a, a, a ministry or a discipleship and mission school. And at the end of every semester or, or every semester or two, we would have a uh, short-term mission trips that people could go on. And I'll never forget, uh, most of those were college students. And uh, I'll never forget one man came up and said, listen, he said, I love, I love Greenhouse. I love what we're doing. I love all this stuff. He said, but you know, what about folks that uh, they've got to work a full-time job. They maybe cannot get away from mission. Um, you know, how might what we're learning here about life on mission apply to the workplace? The things that I do every day. See, again, another one of those divides there, compartmentalize. Unless you're out on the mission field, you're not doing mission. And I tell you, that's not true. You're doing mission when you're doing mission. When you're participating with God in whatever he's put on your heart. When you see people the way he sees them and you enter into their lives and you listen and you ask questions and you walk with them and you present the glory of who God is and who he's created them to be, you're, you're doing mission work. And so from that time on, something stuck in, in myself and in Joel and in Josh and, and we determined from that point on that, that we would do missions in a different way. When we started Sozo, uh, we, we made the determination regarding overseas missions. Put, put that uh, overhead up on there in regard to missions. And, and this is kind of what we decided. Overseas missions is simply exporting abroad what we're actually doing at home. It's, it's our everyday life participating with God. And so if we're gonna export something that we're not doing at home, why go at all? You know what I mean? That sounds, that's, a, that's the definition of hypocrisy, is it not? 
God wants us to be the same way all the time in our life with him on mission for him. So preparing for missions is joining God where he's already at work around us. It's, it's participating with God in divine partnership. Now, as our time winds down here, I, I have a word for um, young mothers that I wanna share. Uh, if you're a young mother, have young children, uh, and the Lord has been speaking to you, or, or you have been hearing voices other than the Lord saying, that what you're doing is not valuable, that you're not doing enough. Maybe you should do more in the, in the area of ministry and you really don't feel like what you're doing is enough or valuable. Is there anybody in here who feels that way? You feel overwhelmed, underappreciated, and you're not even sure if it really matters all that much. Okay, you probably wouldn't raise your hand if, if that was you as a mother. But I wanna, I wanna tell you right now, I heard so clearly the Lord say, what you're doing is the most noble thing that a human being can do, okay? Because your investment in your children, you pouring into them, you loving them, you demonstrating what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus will last for eternity. That child will go into eternity knowing Jesus because of the investment that you're making right now. It might not be glamorous. It may not be prestigious. It may not have all of those marks that we talked about earlier of money and power and position and all of that. But can I tell you, there's nothing of greater dignity than raising our sons and daughters up to know Jesus Christ and become disciples of him. And so I just, I just wanna say that to you. Amen. Let, let's give it up for our, our men and women, but our women particularly. Give birth, give life, impart life. And uh, I wanna tell you, uh, the, the, uh, the children's ministry here at Sozo is built on that foundation. And so enough, enough on that. Now, I wanna just look at one final slide here. And uh, it is that we are all called to be rooted in Christ with purpose. Can we look at that? Okay. Let's just, that's okay. That's okay. We've already basically said it. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old is past, all has become brand new. Now we are ambassadors of King Jesus. Now we have a life as representatives to the world. So my question to you today is, are you rooted in Christ? See, that's the starting point. It's all about being rooted in Christ. And then it continues with us joining God where he's at work around us, participating with him. I'm gonna ask you just, if you would like to have prayer this morning, I want you to just stand to your feet. It could be anything. Maybe you're saying, man, I want to say yes to Jesus today. I want to be rooted in Jesus. Maybe you have a physical need you'd like to be prayed for. Maybe you'd say, I really need grace to participate with God in the ministries, the purposes that he has for my life. And I, I would like some prayer on that. Maybe your prayer is, as a, you're a mom, you're a young mom. You say, man, I, I want to, 
I want to receive a blessing as a young mom here in raising my children. Maybe it's an area in your occupation that is really, really good. You're going through a difficult time. If you would just stand and I'd like to just pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here with us. We thank you that you've called us to be a people that are rooted in Jesus. And that's the starting point. Lord, I pray for anyone here today who's saying, Jesus, I'm all in today. I trust you with me. You're my hope. I give my life to you. And I want to step into all your purposes you have for me. Father, for those here today who need divine intersections to just make it clear where you're at work in their life, Lord, I pray that it would their eyes would just pop right open. I pray, Lord, that before the week is over, God, there would be those opportunities for your purpose, for them to participate with you, wherever that is, in family, in uh, their workplace. Father, I pray for the young mothers. Just bless them in Jesus' name. Lord, we, we dignify and esteem them highly this morning. We just say thank you, Father, for the mothers. Thank you, God, for our mothers who sacrificed so much for us so that for all eternity, God, we'll be alive. And Lord, I pray for those who need healing. If that's you this morning, I want you to just lift your hands up. Lift a hand up if you need healing this morning. Father, we just speak your healing virtue over all those in need today, God. We thank you for the precious blood of Jesus, our covenant partner with Jesus, Lord, that heals, cleanses, makes straight that which is crooked, Lord, sets traumatic situations in wholeness and healing, Lord. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, God, for those who are going through real deep hurts and, and just things that of discouragement and disappointment, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that you would lift their heads up and the glory of the Lord would just shine all about them, God. They'd have your mind and your perspective. Lord, we love you and we thank you, God. We thank you for your word, that it's true. And Lord, we want to be a people that is deeply rooted in Jesus with purpose. For it's in his name I pray, amen.